0: One
1: semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go, go to, to court. court. On this episode, I'll talk about the durable Michael Malloy. And I'll be talking about a mother who took justice into her own hands. I love justice. Oh, Ooh. you know what I'm I not? I love durability. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's why you drive a Ford. <laughs> Okay, we got to talk about something.
1: Uh, yeah, we do. Oh, I don't even know where to start.
2: It's Kristen. too emotional. It is.
1: We got a shout out this week. Okay,
2: I, where do we start? Um, someone. Should we find out who in our Discord? Who in Emily? Lily. Okay, Emily in our Discord. I think that's. What, like, she I know it's like Emily. <laughs> Emily. Lee, Lee.
1: Emily. Illy. Illy.
2: <laughs> got into the Discord and she was like. My Favorite Murder just gave you guys a shout out.
1: And our immediate reaction was like, that can't be right.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Poor Emily. It's
2: very confused. Uh, she wasn't. Yeah. My Favorite Murder gave us a shout out. We lost our fucking minds. We lost our minds. Thank God she told us because we both listened yeah, to and that podcast. We just
1: stumbled upon that.
2: I would have died on the spot. I think, I think that's exactly what would have happened. So those of you who are long-term listeners... <laughs> <laughs> to, to our long-term friendship. You probably know this story, but w- let's just tell it yeah. one time. The reason we started this podcast was because we both fell in love with My Favorite Murder. We went yeah. to a live show. We thought it was so much fun yeah. and that it was so inspiring that we were like, well, what if we came up with our own show where we focused on court cases? Yeah. And now, like, almost two years later. I know! I,
1: I can't even talk I about it. I can't. It's too emotional. I can't handle it. It's like the thing that you're like, wouldn't it be crazy if this happened one day it's, and then it fucking happened? It's really cool. Norman is sick of hearing about yeah. it. I Norman's so over us right now, and we can barely walk around with these giant heads that we
3: have. Oh, my God. I'm happy for both of you.
1: Thank well, you, thank Norm. You.
3: You're welcome.
1: Who are you happier for, yeah. Kristen or me?
3: Equally. <laughs> it's like picking your favorite child.
1: <laughs> it shouldn't be. Yeah, I'm it your wife. Be. Kristen should <laughs> definitely be your favorite.
3: But you both put the work and dedication <laughs> in the podcast. That's so.
1: true. By the way, Brandy's sick right now. Yeah, I'm. I'm, t- I'm really. I think I sound worse than I feel. I feel all right. Uh, did we say enough I, there's not even enough that we could say about like what we're feeling and going through with all of this. We we're just so happy. Yeah.
2: We're so grateful. And yeah. for those of you who listened to My Favorite Murder and you decided to give us a shot, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Yeah, we for hope you us enjoy out. what we're doing yes. here. Yes. All right, Kristen. Take it away. Okay. I've got a fucking nutso story. Excellent. Evan emailed me emailed us like I was like wow Evan has your private email personal email (laughs) Evan emailed us like two months ago with this story Mm -hmm. and here we go okay first of all my disclaimer that I do for all old timey cases this is wait let me see if I can
1: do it oh god okay yeah do it you know um uh, newspapers often have conflicting accounts of this information, uh-huh. so I have done my best to go with the most consistent. Um, but hey, if you if you hey, read take this, the stick out of your ass when you do that
2: impression <laughs> of me, uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty fair. <laughs> A lot of conflicting stuff out there. I went with well, I'm just repeating you. Damn it, you know me too well. Okay, so it's like we've been friends since the fifth grade. It's almost like that. <laughs> so. The first part of this comes from basically two really great articles. Mm -hmm. One is from Smithsonian Magazine called The Man Who Wouldn't Die Mm -hmm. by Karen Abbott. And the other is from the New York Daily News, and it's called The Durable Mike Malloy. Mm -hmm. It was July of 1932 in the Bronx, New York. And Francis Pasqua, Daniel Kreisberg, and Tony Marino were all hanging out in Tony's speakeasy. Excellent. And they were scheming. They were all in their mid to late 20s and they were kind of rough guys, mm-hmm. which was fitting because America was a rough place. Prohibition was, I was still say going height on. Height of
1: prohibition, yeah. Right.
2: They were in the midst of the Great Depression. The unemployment rate was like 50%. Wow. Yeah, that's terrifying. Everyone needed money. And these guys they wanted easy money.
1: Oh, these guys? These guys here.
2: <laughs> so they looked around the bar, and they spotted a man named Michael Malloy. At one time... Okay. Different sources had different things.
1: What? <gasps> this is the shut first up? I'm hearing of this.
2: <laughs> one said Michael was a former firefighter. Another mm-hmm. said he'd been a stationary engineer, which... I pictured, like, Hallmark Cards. No, it turns out you just, you know, drive drive a forklift or something. Uh (laughs) But now he was out of work and a 50-something-year-old drunk. Mm -hmm. He didn't seem to have any friends. Didn't seem to have any family. Definitely didn't have a job. But there was one thing the men knew for sure. Michael would show up at Tony's speakeasy every morning. He started every day like he'd started the day before. He'd drink and drink and drink until he passed out on the floor. Oh, goodness. Do you know this story? Not so far. Okay, this is crazy. So Francis and Daniel and Tony were sitting around trying to figure out a way to get some money. And that's when Francis came up with an idea.
1: Don't you think they're probably Frankie and Danny? Yeah, but the articles call them Francis. I know. Mm. Yeah. I, I doubt anybody called them Francis or Daniel. I bet it's Frankie and Danny. Yeah,
2: but why would you change Anthony to Tony?
1: I don't know. But not change all the others? I don't know. Am I right? Maybe maybe Tony's name was never Anthony. Maybe his family was like, hey, Tony. No, it, no, it was Anthony. Oh, that's weird then. It,
2: yeah. I'm huh. Get ready for more weirdness. So Francis and Daniel and Tony were sitting around trying to figure out a way to get some money. And that's when Francis came up with an idea. Why don't we take out a life insurance policy on Michael? He's close to dead right now. Oh, my God. We could give him a shove in the right direction and bada bing, bada boom, we're rich. Ooh. Can you do that? Can you just take out a life insurance policy on any old person? Well, you know, you might have to make some shit up. Like, oh, okay. You might have to give him a new name and, oh, you right. know, make it the same last name as your buddy. And then your buddy can say, this is my brother. You know, I got it. just, Later. just Later. To, for instance, <laughs> Tony and Daniel were like, that's not a bad idea. Quick backstory on our good friend, Tony. In the previous year, he befriended a former hairstylist who was now homeless mm. named Mabel Carson. Mm. And he was like, Hey, Mabel, why don't you get a $2,000 life insurance policy? Uh huh. Adjusted for inflation, $37,000. Not bad. No. Oh, and oh, by the way, since you and I are such good friends, why don't you list me as the sole beneficiary? And Mabel was just like, Sure, okay. Yeah. And then Mabel died. Yeah. Would you like to hear how she died? Uh Uh-huh. It was totally natural. Just no one could have seen it coming. Um, One night after the paperwork was signed, Tony force-fed her alcohol, pushed her bed near an open window, stripped her naked, and soaked her sheets with ice water. What? Obviously that killed her. You know, it was New York. It was very, very cold. Oh my gosh! But no one suspected anything. The medical examiner said she died of pneumonia. Tony got all that insurance money. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Oh,
3: that's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard of killing someone. Method of killing someone? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So opened a window and just covered her sheets in water.
2: Made sure she was very, very drunk. I'm sure it was wintertime. Yeah. Um, yeah. And very, sure she very She was naked. freezing cold. Yeah. And she died wow. of pneumonia. I'm sure she wasn't in good health. I mean... Wow. Yeah. So Francis and Daniel and Tony, a.k.a. the douchebag trio, mm-hmm. were all on board for this plan to kill Michael Malloy for the insurance money. Francis was an undertaker, so he took the lead on the paperwork. But things were... Like more complicated than they bargained for. Mm -hmm. First of all, Francis had to get some other guy to claim to be Michael's next of kin. So, you know, now we've got another person in the group. And then he had to get another guy to come with him to these meetings with the insurance agencies. So that was another one. And you don't want to rush these things because then it looks suspicious. Mm -hmm. So it took five months for Francis to get these three life insurance policies. One was with Metropolitan Life Insurance, and the other two were with Prudential. Hmm. Over time, more and more people bought into the scheme. They had John McNally, Joseph Maloney, and another Tony, because one Tony wasn't enough. This guy went by Tough Tony Bastoni. Tough Tony Bastoni. Okay, I, I'm pretty sure the last e is silent, and it's Bastone. But I like Tough Tony no. Bastoni. That's what I'm doing. So, just to add confusion, in this growing group, we have two Josephs, two Tonys. Excellent. Okay, what could well, they go wrong? There were only
1: like twelve names at that time. It's, it's 1934. true. <laughs> they also had Edward
2: Tin Ear Smith. What's that mean? Okay, he had a fake ear
1: made of tin, made of wax. Right. Well then we why wasn't he called wax ear? I
2: don't well that sounds like something different. That sounds like a hygiene issue, don't you think? <laughs> but can you believe that? A wax ear? What if it melted? What if you got Exactly. Too hot? Exactly. Hmm. Disaster. Having so many people involved in I this.
1: I can go to the beach. <laughs>
2: no. I just oh God. Uh. No, then it's just a wax, right? Then you've got like no, I mean like you've waxed your face. Yeah! Right? <laughs> Having so many people involved in this scheme wasn't exactly ideal. No. Why do you think, So many people, no. People are just gonna be blabbing. Right. right. Yes. People talk, and the other thing is like, there's only so much insurance money to go around, and we're adding all these people. The pieces of the pie get smaller and smaller. Yeah. I don't know if any of you remember fractions from elementary school. I sure do. The more people
1: you gotta share the pie (laughs) with,
2: the smaller piece you get. So once again, really hard to get an exact figure on what the exact payout was supposed to be. Newspaper articles written at the time all say about 1800. So I'm going to go with with that. The more yeah. recent ones are like, oh, it's way higher. Mm, 1800. Okay. So adjusted for inflation, that's about $35,000 okay. in today's money. But they'd split that up and by this point, it's going to it's going to be like six people. Uh-huh. But, you know, again, they're thinking, who cares? It's not a massive amount of money, but it's a good chunk, and it's going to be so fast and so easy. Because what could be easier than killing an old drunk? So, the paperwork is all signed. Everyone's feeling good. Now it's time for phase two of the plan. Tony Marino, the speakeasy owner, told Michael, hey, 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 buddy, my good pal, I am opening up a tab for you. And don't worry about paying me back anytime soon. You know, there's so much competition these days from all these other speakeasies that I gotta do what I gotta do to entice customers like yourself. So please, by all means, drink to your heart's content. Wow. Don't let finances hold you back. Oh my goodness. Oh, by the way, hey, 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 by the way, I'm running for city office. Would you like to sign a petition to help elect me? Oh, uh, don't insurance worry. papers. No, 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 Brandy, hey, hey, this is definitely not an insurance paper that Michael was too drunk to read or anything. Yeah. This was, you know, just, just his hopes and dreams. Uh-huh. Just supporting a friend. Okay. Michael was like, absolutely, I'll sign that, and thank you for your hospitality. Tony poured him a shot. Michael kicked it back. He asked for another. And another. And
1: another. Oh, no. Too many. It's too many. Mm -hmm. It's too many. No. No. Oh, wait. He's durable. He's not dying. This went on
2: and on and on until Tony's arm got too tired to hold the bottle. Oh, my gosh. But What? Yeah. (laughs) But Michael was fine. He drank like a fish, but he could still stand. He could still breathe. And after a while, he wiped his mouth, said, thank you so much, and walked out the door. To die. Hmm. Presumably. Mm-hmm. The guys were like, all right, that was great. Any
1: minute yeah, now. Ready
2: for my $800. Yeah. Well, be more like 400 Yeah. Any, yeah, anyway. No bad, money. Bad at math.
1: Sounds like no money
2: to me. Ready for my TJ Maxx gift card. Yes. But Michael didn't die. He showed up the next day. Ready to do it all again. Yep. Oh my goodness. They went through the same routine. Tony gave Michael more liquor than any human should ever tolerate. And at the end of the day, Michael said, thanks so much. Went on his merry little way. Yep. <laughs> this continued for three days. By the way, guys, that was Brandy tipping her I hat to I, me. I tipped my hat. <laughs> All the guys in the murder plot were, like, watching this go down. Like, what the
1: hell? Are we calling it a murder plot or an insurance fraud scheme. Well, they're trying to kill the guy for insurance. They're trying to help him kill himself, it sounds like. Oh,
2: um, I didn't know you were their defense attorney. i not! what would you like me to call them no murder plot's good um I'll call them the insurance fraudsters the fraudsters
1: that? <laughs> but they were like
2: how has this guy not died already yeah finally tough Tony Bastoni you know he just has no patience he's like I've had enough of this let's shoot this guy in the head wow wow won't it be faster if we shoot him in the head? It's <laughs> yeah, like, except then you don't get the insurance payout. Yeah, they're like, hey, Tough Tony, we're not debating that that's the fastest way to kill yeah. somebody. It's hey. just that that's super suspicious, and we <laughs> yes. might not get the money we want.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: Dial back, Tough Tony. Yeah, so the rest of the guys are like, can we keep it natural? Yeah. They come up with a new plan. Obviously, alcohol just wasn't cutting it. So one of them brought in some new stuff for Michael N- to try. New what? I I bet it was just, like, a new type of whiskey or some new gin. What? Or, like, is it Hmm. poisoned? Oh, well, they're not murderers. They're just insurance fraudsters. (laughs) Michael drank it and enjoyed it immensely. And then, boom, dropped to the floor. Oh. The guys were like, whoa, that antifreeze really did the trick. it was Poisoned. They were thrilled. They dragged Michael's body back to the back of the speakeasy. And then he woke up. And an hour later, Michael walked back out fresh as a daisy. Oh no! Or yay! Oh, I don't know. Yes. I don't know who signed
1: him. Well, I guess not the murderers.
2: The guys were like, you are kidding me. Didn't we just kill that guy? Now remember, America is still in prohibition and people were dying because a lot of alcohol had been tainted with wood alcohol to make it undrinkable.
1: But what else wood alcohol?
2: I don't know, they add it to like paints and stuff, it's just, it's not stuff you're supposed to drink. And it killed people, it made people go blind, it was really bad. You did not want to drink wood alcohol. Brandy, stop it, do not (laughs) drink wood alcohol. So that got the guys thinking. Why not give wood alcohol to Michael? Mm, a, give it to Mikey. He'll drink anything. <laughs> so at the time, people were getting like either dying or going blind from just like alcohol that had been mixed with a bit of wood alcohol. Yeah, so, so they just gave it. Yeah, straight up, <laughs> straight up wood alcohol. That was the plan. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Welcome, new people. Sometimes we break into song. (laughs) The guys were pumped. This would kill Michael for sure. Soon, they'd get the big insurance payout they'd all dreamed of. So they got some wood alcohol from a paint shop and brought it into the speakeasy. They started Michael off with cheap whiskey. And, like, once his taste buds were kind of shot, they gave him just the straight wood alcohol. Oh, my gosh. Michael drank. And drank. And drank and the gang watched and watched and watched and he got up and left it was just fine nothing really happened oh my gosh day after day tony poured him shot after shot after shot of straight up wood alcohol until finally (laughs) michael hit the floor and then he got up again
1: he was just fine
2: the guys were all stunned was this it? Was this the moment? But they'd fallen for that before! <laughs> they gathered around him. They leaned in. Francis felt for a pulse. And there was one. But it was faint. Michael was close to dying. So they let him lie there. And a few hours later, he woke up and said, Give me some of the old regular, me lad! <laughs> <laughs> the gang was pissed oh my goodness first of all there were too many people involved they'd have to split their cut like a million ways and every month that Michael lived they had to make another payment on these insurance things insurance plans premiums thank you (laughs) (laughs) and Michael insurance money (laughs) money Plus, Michael was a very, I don't know if you've gotten the vibe, very big drinker. I heard. giving him free alcohol was not some cheap thing. Yeah, Tony's going broke. Even when you give him wood alcohol, that's not free. No. (sighs) And weirdly, somehow, Michael seemed better than ever before. What? Okay, this, this makes me really sad. It seemed that... Having all these free drinks and being with these new friends really made him feel. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, that's horribly sad. I know. I know. Uh, but the gang was not going to give up. They gave him turpentine. He survived. Wow. They gave him rat poison. He survived. What the hell? They soaked raw oysters in wood alcohol, and Michael ate two dozen of them and enjoyed them so much that he told Tony that he should open a restaurant. What? (laughs) (laughs) the guys were like oh my god that is it it's time to get serious we need to do something they got a can of sardines they let it rot then they got oh god this is so gross they got pieces of jagged metal one source said that they got like a bunch of pins and Uh mixed it in so they mix up rotten sardines with shards of metal. What? They take two pieces of bread, spread that stuff in between them, and give it to Michael as a sandwich.
1: And he was just like, cool, let me eat this?
2: Um, he was drunk as fuck. Have you ever been okay. drunk as fuck? You're gonna eat whatever.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I don't know if I'm eating a metal and rotten sardine Well, sandwich. you're not gonna know it's
2: metal. Mm-hmm. Um... They figured, okay, this will literally tear his insides to shreds. Yeah. No, he was just fine. Michael ate it. He liked it so much, he asked for another. <laughs> of course, he did. At this point, it was winter in New York, and Tony was like, hey, just brainstorming, no bad ideas in brainstorming. Remember how I killed that one lady? Maybe we could do that again. I got that lady really drunk, left her out in the cold. That did the trick. Maybe it can do the trick for Michael. Yeah. So, they got Michael drunk, and once he passed out, they drove him to Claremont Park. Okay. One other source said it a question it was, mark on the back well, of that? no, in the article it didn't have a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> but another source said, Crotona Park. And I don't know if it's one of those things, like in the 30s they called it one thing, now they call it another. Okay. Whatever. They took him to a park. They took his coat, and they dumped... Five gallons of water on him Ooh. and left him in a snowbank to die. He the next die. day he comes walking in to tell me speakeasy. Michael showed up at the speakeasy. He was wearing a new suit. What? And he was like man I must have gotten super drunk last night because I woke up buck ass naked in some park. Good thing the police got me and a charity gave me these nice new clothes. Oh my gosh. This was too damn much. This guy's a legend. No, I'm kidding. Know, I know. The gang was like, all right, enough of this namby-pamby bullshit. Yeah. We've got to kick it up a notch.
1: Kick it into high gear.
2: Oh, that is very fitting for this next oh, part. no. Like yeah. maybe, maybe offensively so. Oh, <laughs> I swear I don't know what's coming so they reached out to a cab driver named Harry Green (laughs) shit (laughs) and they were like hey hey we will pay you $150 of this insurance money if you um, run over someone accidentally hit somebody and Harry was like sure so one of the guys got Michael good and drunk and took him out to Pelham Parkway and stood him up in the middle of the road Mm mhm and Harry, the cab driver, was like, oh, yeah. He gave himself two blocks to build up enough speed to really hit Michael. Yeah. He wanted to get to, like, 50 miles an hour. So he zoom, zoom, zoomed down the road. But just in the nick of time, Michael stumbled to safety.
1: I was going to say, and he, just, like, he probably just, like, fell over. Uh-huh.
2: Uh- <laughs> the gang was like, damn it to hell! <laughs> they were like, okay, regroup, regroup. Same plan, different road. They went to Gun Hill Road. They set Michael in the middle of the road. The taxi driver took off. Zoom, zoom, zoom. And this time, thud, thud. They hit Michael. But, you know, they weren't taking any chances. No, no, they were not taking any chances. They reversed. Thud, thud. Ran over him again. And then they took off because, you know, they didn't want to be arrested for murder. Yeah. The next day... One of the guys, Joseph Murphy, called up all the local morgues. And he was like, oh, I'm so sad. (laughs) My beloved brother is missing. I'm terribly worried. Did he die? (laughs) It was Keith Morrison's great-great-grandpa. Was he all right? Uh, Horrifying. (laughs) Horrifying. And they were like, no, no, good news. Uh, no, Michael Malloy here. And, oh, <laughs> and he was like, oh, I'm so happy. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I've never heard better news. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not crying. <laughs> By the way, in this this is one of those dumb de- de- details that I decided not to go into too much. Every drink is not in <laughs> your notes. I know, it's not in my notes. But... So for this insurance policy, they did take it out in a different name for mm-hmm. Michael. So anyway, yeah. you know, Got it. blah, blah, blah. Okay. Joseph called local hospitals. Nothing.
1: No, he's just fine. Joseph's going to look up from the phone any second. And he's going to be walking through the door.
2: He checked the newspapers. Nothing. No reports of a fatal car accident. The gang was gathered in the speakeasy... Going, what the hell happened to Michael's dead
1: body? Norm, is that scary movie? What's that? Where they do the I know you did last summer. Only the guys like I'm not dead.
3: I'm yeah. not dead. Scary movie. Like what should we do? I oh, was like I'm fine, guys. I'm really, really <laughs> and they just like keep hitting
2: them. Yes. Oh. I like that you asked Norm because you knew you that would
1: I- have no idea, Kristen.
3: Yeah.
2: And then. Michael walked through the door. Of course he did. He did not look great. Okay, because he'd been hit by a cart twice. Yeah, <laughs> but he wasn't dead. <laughs> oh, my
1: gosh.
2: He was like, man, oh, man, you guys, I got so drunk last night. <laughs> I don't remember a thing. Woke up in the middle of the stream with these tracks all over me. <laughs> All I know is I woke up at Fordham Hospital and couldn't wait to get a stiff drink. Mm. <laughs> Turns out he gave the hospital staff a different name. That's oh, why okay. it didn't come through in poor Joseph's research. The gang was truly beside themselves <laughs> at this rate. They were like, why won't you die? <laughs> and it's, I do wonder at what point they were like, okay, we're losing money on yeah. this scheme.
1: So they decided to hire a hitman. Oh, goodness gracious. They're, I mean, they're going to all make $4 at the end of this thing. Yes.
2: But the hitman wanted $500, (laughs) which adjusted for inflation was like 10 grand. Well, goodness gracious. Yeah. So they were like,
0: maybe he heard how difficult it was
2: going (laughs) to (laughs) be. So they were just like, never mind. We can't afford a professional. We have to do this ourselves. But obviously, we suck at killing Michael Malloy. Clearly. So how about this? They stole Michael's ID, they took that ID, they put it in the coat of another drunk, and then they hit that guy with a cab.
1: And that guy died. No. That guy
2: lived too? These guys are terrible at killing people. Oh my goodness. That guy was rushed to the hospital. And I mean, it took two months, but he survived his injuries and, of course, he was like, yeah, I'm, that ID isn't who I am. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: my gosh.
2: But, finally, on February 22nd, 1933, the gang decided that the only way to kill Michael was to just straight-up yeah. murder him. Yeah. They got him super drunk on wood alcohol, and then they took him to a room less than a mile away from the speakeasy. They laid him on the floor, put a towel in his mouth, and ran a rubber tube from the room's gaslight into his mouth. Mm. And that's how Ma- Michael Malloy died. Afterward, they hired Dr. Frank Manzella to draw up a fake death certificate. Mm-hmm. According to Dr. Manzella, Michael Malloy had died of pneumonia oh. and complications from alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Michael didn't have any next of kin, mm-hmm. so he was buried right away in, like, you know, the free section of the cemetery. Yeah. By that point, the men had been trying to kill Michael for more than six
1: months. Oh, my gosh.
2: Joseph Murphy immediately went and got the $800 from Metropolitan Life Insurance. Uh, But that still left those two other policies with Prudential. Yeah. Prudential intended to pay that money out to Joseph. But when they found out that Joseph Murphy was in jail, they looked into it a bit. And they were kind of like, huh. This guy seems kind of like a shady Super character. Sketch. And you know, come to think of it, this whole thing seems kind of shady. Mhm. Police got involved. And it didn't take them long to figure out what had happened. Partly because way too many people were involved with this. Yes. The professional hitman went around town being like, yeah, you know, those guys tried to hire me to kill Michael, but uh my rates were too high for them. <laughs> 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 then Harry, the cab driver who'd run Michael over, started complaining. They'd never paid him. And he tried his hardest to kill Michael. Well, I don't think if you get paid if you didn't complete the job well i mean he hit him and then he reversed over him and then i'm sure he was the same guy who hit that other rando i mean he
1: He didn't kill either of them
2: fair (laughs) you would be you would be a good mob boss (laughs) i prefer bob moss (laughs) (laughs) then police found out about a woman named betty carlson she had also died of pneumonia Mm. in that same speakeasy. And wouldn't you know it, she had a life insurance policy Mm. that paid out to one of these douchebags. A lot of people
1: dying of pneumonia in a speakeasy. Yep.
2: And then there was the fact that the story of trying to kill Michael Malloy was just nuts. And you know what people like to do with stories that are just nuts?
1: Not believe them? No, they like to tell them. Again, oh, you're and again, right, you're and right. again and again and again and there's so many people involved in this everybody's telling these stories of
2: course and so everybody knows Mm-mm. bad news district attorney samuel Foley was horrified he was like that's it michael malloy did not die of pneumonia so they dug up michael malloy's body and it was a sight this man who supposedly died of pneumonia was covered in cuts and bruises. He'd he been
1: run over by a car multiple times. Well, yeah, I mean, he'd,
2: he'd been through hell. Yeah. Dr. Harry Schwartz performed an autopsy, and he determined that Michael Malloy had died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Mm-hmm. Apparently, <laughs> everybody drink because I didn't write this down. No. Apparently, when, when you died that way, it turned your body a, kind of a different color, so it was very obvious once you saw the body. Oh. Yeah. The DA was like, yep, I'm going after these guys. The press dubbed them in the Murder Trust, which I
1: think I, they could have done better on yeah. that nickname. Did that have some kind of ring to it in the 30s? I don't now. know. Yeah,
2: it really, it's lost on me now. Yeah, Four of them, Francis Pasqua, Daniel Krasberg, Anthony Marino, and Joseph Murphy were all tried together. Mm-hmm. Talk about something that would not happen yeah. today which naturally was a total shit show. Yes. Because, so I do want to do a little disclaimer. It was very hard to find articles from that time from the actual trial. Don't roll your eyes (laughs) at me, (laughs) I did my best. Newspapers.com did help me here. Okay, for a while, they all tried to blame each other. Yeah. And then, when that didn't work out, they tried to plead insanity. Mm -hmm. It was a mess. Their trial began in October of 1933. District Attorney Sam Foley told the jury that the men were ruthless killers. He told the jury that the men had tried to kill Michael multiple ways and that they'd even tried to kill someone else. Mm -hmm. And that they had ultimately poisoned him with carbon monoxide. All so that they could collect $1,800 in insurance money. Mm Mm-hmm. When it came time for the defense to give their opening remarks, defense attorney Francis Mancuso was like, "Eh, I'm good. That's okay." Oh, did not give opening remarks. I'm wondering if it was like in this early part of the trial, these four were such a shit show that he was like, I'm just going to figure it out Mm -hmm. further down the line. Yeah. So don't roll your eyes at me. But I did have a hard time finding the list of witnesses for the prosecution. And that is a requirement for
1: all episodes. I know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I know for certain that the cab driver, Harry Green, turned on these guys. He played a big role in the prosecution's case. He cooperated fully, told them everything he knew. And I believe with like 99% certainty that another guy, Joseph Malone, who also par- participated in this scheme, also agreed to participate okay. with, to cooperate with the DA. Okay. So these two guys from inside the scheme yeah. helped give the prosecution the entire narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prosecution basically had the full story and they had the autopsy, which showed how Michael had died, which by the way, there are still pictures of his body online. You, yeah, Michael Malloy. Look up image search. Malloy is M-A-L-L-O-Y. The one I'm thinking because I'm I'm googling and I'm not seeing it. Do the Michael Malloy Wikipedia?
1: Oh gosh! Yeah. Ooh.
2: Describe what you're seeing.
1: Oh, it's a face. Looks very rough. Yeah. Uh,
2: He'd been <laughs> friendly.
1: <laughs> turn to the turn to the side. Looks like he's got the hell beat out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
2: When it came time for the defense to present their case, former Judge Francis Mancuso was like, hey, hey, some of these witnesses for the prosecution, they're pretty sketchy. Am I right? Mm. You can't trust these characters. That's they, a strategy. they were involved in a murder plot. Yeah. You can't trust them. It's actually a good strategy. I mean, this is the strategy. I think it is tried and true. Every defense attorney, anytime one of the sketchy people, like,
4: Agrees to snitch,
2: then then you are like, well, you can't trust them. And hey, by the way, there seems to be a big misunderstanding here. We've got these four guys on trial for murder,
1: but they didn't want Michael Malloy to die. I think they did because they took out a life insurance policy on him and that only gets paid out if he is dead.
2: No, Brandy. Brandy, you... You have been listening to the prosecution side (laughs) of the story. You are totally biased. Let me tell you the truth. Okay. You see, the person who wanted to kill Michael Malloy was this really mean guy named Tough Tony Bastoni. Oh. And Tough Tony just ordered these boys around. He was Mm. the gun-toting boss. And any time any of these guys were like, "No, we don't want to kill anybody." Tough Tony would be like, "Tough cookies. <laughs> if you don't do what I say, I'll kill you." Uh-huh. You know who really ought to be on trial here?
1: Tough Tony Bastoni. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: yeah. 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 If there were any justice in the world, yeah. that is what would be happening. Okay. But um he was murdered last spring, so oh, so <laughs> He can't and, defend himself, so. and he was uh, murdered by Joseph, who oh, was uh, yeah yeah okay. okay yeah you know him yeah. So the defense said that he was murdered by Joseph Maglioni, who was mad that he hadn't gotten his part of the insurance payout for this okay. scheme. Yeah, All right. So, jury, why don't you just take my word for it? The big bad guy is gone, and these other guys who just got into it were like, whoopsies, mixed up in a little scheme. Their roles were very minor. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. But the prosecution was like, hmm, how about you give them the death penalty? Uh Find them guilty, and let's get these guys on death row today. What do I have to do to to get get you you on on
4: death row today?
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the jury went into deliberation and found them... Guilty and sentenced them all to death. Not guilty, because they were like, man, that tough Tony, no! he sounds like a pay-. No, they of
1: course found them guilty, like, of even, course. That, I feel like in that day and age, it was like even if they had the slightest inkling that they might have been involved, they are like, yeah, we, we better just kill them. Oh, yeah, they were... Yeah, they, <laughs> they were killing everybody. Wait till we get to a later portion in this uh-huh. hand. I mean, things...
2: The speedy trial, the speedy everything in the 30s. I mean, nothing yeah. dragged out then. No. The judge said, have the defendants anything to say before being sentenced. Ooh. You ready for something weird? Yeah. Daniel Kreisberg spoke. He said, it's a nice day for some people.
1: What? Yep. <coughs> what a weird statement. Uh-huh. really makes you think. It <laughs> really makes you think. <laughs> That's deep, man.
3: <laughs> Slow, man.
2: And then the four men were sentenced to death. Okay. Yeah. In June of 1934, the four men were scheduled to die by electric
1: chair. That surprised me. I thought they were still hanging in the 30s. Hmm.
3: Yeah. They they had the electric chair.
4: I mean, yeah, but but. yeah. Hmm.
3: Supposed to be supposed to be more uh, humane
1: uh freaking uh what's his butt <laughs> I have no idea who you're talking Gordon about. Northcott was hung and that was in the 30s Who was Gordon Northcott He uh he killed uh that was the chicken coop murders <gasps> Oh oh yeah that
2: was oh yeah. and he like hung there for a long time mm. Yikes Yeah yeah Mhm 4 hours before they were scheduled to die New York Lieutenant Governor William Bray stepped in he said that Joe Murphy, the bartender, should be spared the death penalty for two weeks. Why? Okay, so I, I feel like this will be obvious, but I'm just going to say it so we don't get like hate mail. I am obviously quoting from an old-timey article when I give you this explanation. Okay. Okay, okay we clear? <laughs> Big Joe had a child's brain. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> he was clumsy and dim-witted. <laughs> merely a puppet of the evil trinity oh my goodness um oh so I'm I'm gonna translate that into what I think was going on I think they they had to
1: decide was he (laughs) competent yeah yes to understand like was he yeah. was he deemed mentally competent to understand what was Thank going on and aid in his own defense. Exactly. That's what today that would That's how yes. we would frame it today. Yes. Back
2: then he was clumsy, clumsy dim witted.
1: The brain of a child. Yes.
2: <laughs> oh no. You know, but I and I guess they were gonna figure that out in two weeks. Two weeks. So okay. the two weeks the three guys die.
1: No, oh, so they're like, okay, great, fry him one, two, three, we'll wait yes. on Joe. Okay.
2: Yes. Woo. God, that is gross. I pictured them like <sighs> eggs. Okay. Oh,
1: gosh. So,
2: then, you know, then it's Joe's time again, and again, the governor stepped in, and he got another two weeks. Why? I mean, that's why I wish I could have found more on these guys individually, Mm -hmm. because... I mean, if in the 30s they were like, hey, you seem like maybe you, you don't really you don't understand. don't get it, then yeah. Then he for sure didn't get it. Yeah. Right? Yes. Right? Um, but ultimately, they decided that Joe was, you know, sane enough for the state to murder him, mm. which, I don't know, you know how I feel about oh, yes, the death I penalty. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and a month after the other men were put to death, so was Joe. Wow. Again, That was in 1934. I mean, it was just like lickety-split back then. Oh, yeah. They wasted no time. No time at all. I mean, God forbid you were an innocent person. Oh, yeah. Too late for that. Uh, But we're not done here. Dr. Frank Menzella was the guy who they paid to falsify Michael's death certificate. He wrote that Michael had died of pneumonia and the effects of alcohol abuse. So this was actually a pretty big scandal because Frank was a former alderman Mm. and he at least appeared to have been fairly well respected in the community until this point he was charged with failing to report a suspicious death Mm -hmm. and accessory after the fact yeah girl wow he was facing almost three years in prison wow at his trial Frank took the stand in his own defense he denied that the men had promised to pay him $150 in exchange for signing the death certificate he said he'd just done his
1: job. And that that's what he truly believed? Yeah, bullshit. Okay, well then you're a shitty doctor, buddy.
2: Yeah, like the shittiest doctor. Yeah. The press noted that he appeared... <laughs> <laughs> this is how they wrote about So, when he took the stand... Every article I read said that he appeared short, fat, and nervous on the stand. Well,
1: what the hell? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Did he short not appear and short and fat off the stand? He <laughs> <laughs> was tall and lanky until he got up there on the stand. He's got real. This <laughs> is if he melted into a puddle. These these old timey articles—they do not hold back. No, they short
3: they will
2: fat they will roast <laughs> you. That's exactly right. Got him. Once again, the cab driver, I'll go quickly through his trial. Yeah. Once again, the cab driver, Harry Green, made an appearance. Um, Harry Green did have to do time, but obviously he got a much lighter yeah. sentence. He was not put to death because he cooperated in. That is in, much lighter. <laughs> <laughs> because he cooperated in the previous trial on this one, too. Randy.
1: <laughs> he got a much lighter sentence. He was not put to death. <laughs>
2: Harry was like, yep, that's the doctor, that's the sketchbook, yeah. can't trust him. Joseph Maglioni stood up and he was like, yep, I was involved, here's the whole story, yep, Dr. Manzella was involved, he's super sketch. Ultimately, the jury found him guilty of failing to report a suspicious death, but they acquitted him on accessory, accessory. after the fact, uh-huh. which, yeah, I don't think yeah. that's too surprising. Yeah. Okay, now here's, here's the annoying thing. He was sentenced to three months to three years in prison. Yeah. I noticed that's how they used to say they it. Back did, yeah. then. I think what that means is three months, unless you, like, really, really fuck, fuck up, up big time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the story of the many murder attempts on Mike Malloy In the 30s, this story fascinated people. It continues to fascinate yeah. people. He was nicknamed Iron Man, Mike the Durable, and the Irish Rasputin. Yeah. Um... Who knows how long he would have lived if these shitheads hadn't intervened. No
1: kidding. Can
2: you believe that no, story? No, that's
1: nuts, all that they did to him.
2: Yeah. Horrible. Poor guy. Huh. It made me just feel really bad for him. Like, yeah. The part about him kind of rallying because he felt like he had a community.
3: I really wish he would have survived everything.
2: Well, yeah. Yeah
3: that would have made the
0: story even
2: oh yeah it would have been yeah it would have been great oh yeah yeah
1: Alright, you ready to hear about some justice? I fucking love justice. Let me tell you that I watched a really terrible <sighs> and forced David to watch a really terrible made for T V movie about this case last night. No. Yes. What channel? Lifetime. Uh, no, Oxygen. it was made it was made for USA. Ew, well, I didn't it even know they did. was terrible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was made in nineteen ninety nine and it's available on YouTube. Oh. Um it was terrible. <laughs> Is David breaking up with you? Yeah, I think it might be the end of our relationship. It's like, I can't handle <laughs> I this. I cannot handle this. Okay, uh, and bear with me on my voice. I apologize. No excuses. <laughs> it was the summer of 1988, and Ellie Nestler finally felt as if she had her life back on the right track. From a tumultuous childhood to a young marriage that ended quickly in divorce, things had not been easy for Ellie. Her second marriage to a gold miner named Bill had turned her life into a much happier one, a much happier direction. The couple, living in the Gold Rush area of California near San Francisco, welcomed a son. They named him after his father and called him Willie or Will or Bill or Billy. Whatever. Or, they called him all kinds or of Or maybe stuff. even Brandon. I don't fucking know because every article calls him something different. Brandon? They called him Brandon in the made-for-TV movie. Okay.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but they called her her real name, so I don't fucking know. Okay. Uh, for the purposes of this story, I am going to call him Will. Okay, great. <laughs> when Will was still a young child, the family decided to move to Liberia, Africa, in hopes of better opportunities in gold mining. Oh, wow. Yeah. While there, the family welcomed a daughter named Rebecca. But when the Civil War broke out in Liberia in 1989, the family decided it was no longer a safe place for the children. Um, So Ellie packed up Will and Rebecca and moved back to California, leaving their father, her husband, back in Africa. Back in California, Ellie struggled to make ends meet for her little family. Um, It seems to me that they stayed married um, and that Bill, the father, would just kind of like check in every now and again come visit or whatever but okay. they were essentially living their own life the three of them in california was this
2: was this meant to be a temporary thing like I, i'll stay here i don't and work? know okay i don't really okay. know
1: anyway so she's struggling to make ends meet she ends up she works hard she works you know takes a job works really hard has to get some state assistance whatever and she gets super involved in her church and that was kind of like the, the thing that really set her life right in her mind was getting involved in this church. Um, and with that, she and her family became super close with this guy who volunteered with the church, was involved in the ministry and whatever. And his name was Daniel Driver or Danny, as most people called him. And he became like a very close personal friend of the Nestlers. He would help Ellie with stuff around the house that she couldn't take care of herself. He was really gifted with cars. He'd come over and do, you know, repair work on her car for her. When Ellie felt like she was really struggling in her faith, he would sit and pray with her. Um, He was just really a person for her to lean on Mm -hmm. and, um, and rely on and she really needed that person. She had a I believe it was her sister that lived nearby. Um they really refer to her um in all of these news stories and in the made for TV movie as as Will's aunt. So I'm assuming it was her sister, but I I'm, I'm not positive. Okay. So the two families were close and spent a lot of time together, but this this Danny was the person that she relied on a lot. By the summer um of 1988, will is like six or seven at this point and he begs ellie to let him go to this church summer camp he wants to go so bad he just wants to get away go have fun do all these fun activities with his friends but it's a two week overnight camp and ellie's like no i i won't be able to handle you being away that long nor do i think you'll be able to handle being away from home that long like Think about that at like seven years old, being away from home for two weeks. So I used to work. I know you used to work at church camps. Did you guys do overnights for that young? So the church camp I worked at was just a week. Uh
2: But a summer camp I worked at in the Berkshires, it was six weeks. And we had kids as young as six years old. I can't imagine that. I can't either. I cannot imagine it. I think it's like. I think it's almost like a a cultural thing or it's just like what you're used to because the, you know, there are a lot of people who like, that's just their thing. They send the kids to summer camp for six weeks every summer. The kids love it.
1: And it's just like, yeah, Yeah. it's just a way of life. So Ellie's set in her way. She's like, absolutely, you're not going to this camp, but Will will not give it up. And so he goes and talks to Danny about it. And so Danny sits Ellie down. He's like, listen. I'm going to be at that camp. I oh. volunteer with the camp as well. It's associated through the church. Like, I'm going to be there. He's going to be fine. And so Ellie's like, all right, fine, Will. You can go. And it's like the best day of Will's life. He gets to go to this two-week sleepaway camp that he he's going to have the time of his life, whatever. Mm. He goes to camp, and things are great. He's swimming every day. He's playing outside. He's singing Bible songs, you know, whatever. It's He has the time of his life. Yeah. When he comes back, Ellie is overjoyed to see him. She has missed him. He's written letters, like, here and there, but nothing consistent. So when she sees him for the first time, she's shocked that he's in, like, this terrible mood. And he just, like, walks past her and goes into the house and, like, doesn't do, like, the big reunion thing. Nothing. This kid that comes home from camp is not the same excited little boy she sent away. Oh, no. What the fuck happened at the camp? So things go on like this for a long time will withdraws he's uh, moody he yells a lot he fights with his mom he's mean to his sister behavior that he never exhibited before Mm -hmm. in school he's asked to draw like his favorite thing that he did that summer and like he draws this really dark depressing picture while everybody else is you know drawing people swimming and whatever and so people are noticing that something is going on with will he was molested at the camp for sure. Kristen, for sure. Anyway, okay. Ellie tries to tell herself that it's just like a phase that Wills going through and you know, oh. he'll grow out of it and you know, she she talks to Danny about it, the family friend. And tells him that she just doesn't know what's going on. Maybe he can talk to Will. And so Danny starts taking Will on these little outings. And and it's weird because Will doesn't ever seem to want to go. Oh, no. No, Brandy. And then um, it's just not getting any better. No. And Ellie's like... I just don't know what to do, Danny. And she confides in him that she's sure that something has happened to her son. And he says, and so Danny says to her, you know, let's just pray on it. And so they sit there at Ellie's kitchen table together uh, over the Bible, and they pray for God to intervene and take care of her son. And God strikes Danny dead. So almost a year has gone by at this point with this weird behavior with Will he's so withdrawn you know nobody knows what's going on with him and then one night he's having a sleepover at his aunt's house and he's acting super weird and so the aunt sits down with him and she's like you got to tell me what's going on yeah and he finally admits to her that he was he was molested at the summer camp oh by Danny, yeah. And so he's like, "Please don't tell anyone. I don't want anyone to know that this happened to me." And she, Ugh. she's heartbroken, and she's like, "I'm sorry, but some secrets I can't keep. Like, we have to tell. Yeah, we have to tell people that this happened to you." And he's so embarrassed; he doesn't want anyone to know what happened to him. Well, and that
2: shit had probably said something like, "If you tell anyone, then exactly. I'll have to kill exactly. your mom. He, I'll have to kill your sister." He was,
1: not only was he embarrassed, he was terrified because Daniel Driver had told him, "If you tell anyone, mm-hmm. I will kill your mother." Yeah, which oh, is what a shithead. Which head. is why whenever Danny would be like, "Come on, we're going to go run errands together," he would go even though he didn't want to because he was terrified if he didn't do what he would say. Yeah, that he would hurt his family. Of course. Yeah, and oh. so. Um, Will's aunt takes him to Ellie, and they sit down. And Will tells Ellie what happened to him. He was molested, and he was sodomized oh, by this man. God, that poor little guy. Yeah, at six or seven years old, Ellie is just completely torn apart by it. And she she um, consoles Will and says, "You know, I I know exactly what this is like. This happened to me." When I was a little kid, Aww. um, and when I told someone they said, "Well, it happens, oh God, and she's like, "I'm not going to do that to you. We're going to the police and will is super reluctant he's like i don't I don't want to go to the police. I don't want anyone to know that this happened to me, yeah, and she said, "We have to go to the police because you have to help keep this from happening to some other little kid Oof. and so Will agrees and they they go and they tell police exactly what has happened. And that's when Ellie finds out that this is not the first instance. There's two other kids from that same camp making these same claims against Daniel Driver. And five years earlier, in 1983, he'd taken like a, He'd gotten off with probation from a molestation charge. What the hell? Yes, because he had all of these character witnesses come forward and say what a great guy he was and all this great work he did with the church and all of this stuff. He got off with probation. And what then was the allowed hell? to volunteer at a church camp?
2: Do people not ask themselves, "Hmm, why why might a child molester be volunteering yeah. for this?"
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Maybe it's not cuz they're such a good person. Right. Maybe it's cuz they're trying to get around
1: kids. Maybe they're, they're trying to get access. into a trusted position. Yes. Exactly. So Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But you More. ever
2: you know what drives me crazy? What? On episodes of "To Catch a Predator" uh-huh. where they're where they're like, "And you'll never guess what he does for a living." Oh, and yeah. the answer is always he's an elementary school teacher, he's, he's a school a, bus driver, yeah, he's well. yeah. And so it's like, "No, that is 100% what yes. I would guess a child yeah. molester would do for a living. Yeah. It's not what I want them to do uh-huh. for a living. But, yeah. like, this this notion that, like, oh, well, they
1: can't be there because that's where the kids are. Right.
2: No, No, exactly
1: where they're there. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Will has done, you know, the thing he never wanted to do. He's had to tell all of these people this horrible thing that happened to him. He feels so ashamed. Yeah. By it. And... There's a major problem moving forward with charges. What? No one knows where Daniel Driver is. He's fled town, and he would remain on the run for three years. Oh! Finally, they arrest him for like shoplifting in some town not that far from this area near san francisco where the nestlers live and they end up bringing him back and in 1993 um he is his trial here he's facing the charges they're actually um in april it's april 2nd 1993 is a preliminary hearing where um they're gonna see if they can move forward with a jury trial so as they're setting up for that moving towards that Will and Ellie sit down with like the prosecution and she's like, I don't want him to have to get on the stand in front of right in front of Danny. He's he's not going to be able to handle that. And they're like, well, sorry, he's gonna have to. Damn. And she's trying, she's like, she asked them if they could set up a camera so that he can testify somewhere yes. else, like, which is super common now. But I was going to say, yeah, yeah, I guess at the time was not super common. They're like, no, sorry, this is what he's going to have to do. So as it's like nearing this Good Lord, too bad for victims, right? No kidding, right? And they're like, we don't stand a chance of being able to, if he can't testify, we don't stand a chance of being able to move forward with charges. And then if he can't testify at trial, we don't stand a chance of being able to convict him. This all lays on your little now 10 year old shoulders. No pressure, kid. Yeah. So, as they're like, it's, you know, early 1983, they're moving towards this April 2nd date, and Will is getting sick every day. Of He's course he is. He's vomiting every day. Yes. He's like this little ball of stress. Um, by this time, Ellie has had to quit her job and pull him out of school and like homeschool him because he can't handle even the idea that someone might find out what has happened to him like he's so filled with shame over it which is just like the worst thing ever because this poor little kid didn't ask for this like uh, it's just heartbreaking yeah that that would be what you think like i can't handle somebody knowing that this happened to me because of what they'll think about me yeah ellie fights with the prosecutor on this it's like he's absolutely not going to be able to do that you Mm -hmm. need to figure something else Mm -hmm. out and Will's like, yeah, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. And they're like, well, if you can't do it, we can't, we can't move forward with these charges. And so Will agrees that he's going to get up there and testify, and so April 2nd, 1993, comes around. And Will is just beyond sick. The whole courtroom is full of people. The hearing is underway. Oh. And Ellie Nestler is called to the stand to do her preliminary testimony and talk about how she found out what had been going on and how close Danny Driver had come, be, come to their family. And as she is called to the stand, she reaches over into the aunt's purse and pulls out a small pistol. <gasps> And as she's walking up to the stand, she shoots Daniel Driver in the head five Shut times up. and kills him. Shut up! No way. In the way. courtroom, no. Shoots way. him and kills him in the courtroom.
3: Holy oh my shit. god!
1: Yeah. She got five shots. Five shots. How'd
3: she, she get a gun in there?
1: They didn't have any metal detectors, and they ate, nobody oh was god. nobody was searched before entering the courtroom. Wow! Yeah. He died instantly. Well, sure. Yeah. Five shots will do it. Yeah. And she said, when she was taken into custody, she said, he deserved to die. Maybe I'm not God, but I'll tell you what, I'm the closest damn thing to it for all the other little boys. My little boy can help hold his head up now. He doesn't have to be afraid of Danny. Wow. Yeah. People who were in the courtroom that day said that you would expect someone who has just killed someone to kind of, like, shrivel up and not, you know, be in, like, shock over what they did. Yeah. said that's not how Ellie Nestler reacted. She stood up and she walked out of there with her head held high, proud that she had taken justice into her own hands. Oh, my God. When the news of this spread, so we're talking April of 1993, the news of this spread throughout the United States Ellie Nestler was seen as a folk hero. Mom who took care of her, like, like this like mama bear who took care of her baby cub no matter what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't, and she said she felt that the justice system wasn't going to take care of her son and that there was no way he was going to be able to get up there and testify and that they told her that was the only way they'd get a conviction. So she just had to take care of it herself. okay. How are you feeling about this? Gosh, I mean. I know. I'm so torn because obviously you don't want to see somebody murdered. But I, I think there's a lot of parents that could see themselves in that same exact position. You hurt my kid, I'll hurt you.
2: Yeah. Well, and especially when you hear he's done this before. Yeah. Nothing happened. Yeah. My son is expected to be more brave than, yeah. I mean, than almost anybody. Mm-hmm. And for what? Maybe yeah. nothing.
1: Yeah. Oh. So when she became this folk hero, like all of these donations poured in for her defense fund because she was arrested and she was charged. I don't know if she was charged with second degree murder or, um, I think it was second degree murder. And,
2: oh, that's smart taking the the gun out of her sister's purse uh-huh. because if you bring it yourself, then so that's be, first degree so would and would premeditated. So yeah. So that
1: would be the big thing at her trial. So her trial took place in October of 1993. But before her trial, I'm sorry, her trial began in January of 1994. In October of 1993, Ellie was actually diagnosed with aggressive breast cancer. Wow. And around that same time, it came out that on the day that she shot Daniel Driver in court. She was under the influence of methamphetamines. Oh. She said that the stress of everything that she had been going through and trying to figure out what was going on with her son and trying to protect her son, she had turned to meth to help her deal with all of it. And so she was high on meth the day that she wow shot him in the courtroom. Yeah. So all of those people that were like hailing her as this folk hero yeah. kind of like silently like stepped <laughs> <sculpted laughs> like, away uh, and they are like Well, okay. Yeah. So in January of 1994, her trial began And the prosecution tried to argue kind of exactly what you said, that this was not an in-the-heat-of-the-moment thing. This was premeditated. Yeah. They pulled up, they um, had a bunch of people testify that said that they had heard Ellie say before, you know, if the justice system doesn't take care of them, I'm going to take care of them. And the, I believe it was like the one of the prosecutors that she had made a statement to, something to the effect of, of course, I didn't put this in my notes. Oh, everybody drinks. <laughs> something to the effect of, you better get him to take a deal. If he doesn't take a deal, I'm just going to blow him away.
2: But see, I wonder how many parents say that kind of thing. Exactly. That, yeah,
1: yeah. I, don't think it, I don't think that that's enough to prove premeditation. No. And neither did the jury Wow, she was convicted and sentenced to ten years in prison. She had asked for leniency because she, at that time, her doctor had given her a prognosis of about five years to live with her breast cancer. Yeah, her her defense team had said that a lengthy sentence would be a death sentence for her, and mm-hmm. to and asked the jury to take that into consideration. And so they had sentenced her to ten years, which would. Would essentially be a death sentence for her. Yeah, um, with that aggressive breast cancer that she had, so she went to jail and she, you know, went to prison and was serving her sentence. And then in October of 1997, after several appeals, her conviction was overturned. Wow, on what based grounds? Like juror misconduct. No, what they do. So it's really hard to find. I found one article that said basically one juror. Was tainting the other jurors and by making these weird comments. So basically, during jury deliberations, this one juror would be like, "Well, whenever somebody would say, you know, you know, well, you know, we have to consider, you know, the pressure she was under or whatever, right, right, right. you know, what um, what a, any parent would do in a situation like this," and this one juror would be like. Well, you know, if you knew about her, what I know about her. But, you know, I can't take that pre existing information into consideration. Uh, bullshit. Yes. Yeah, you can't say yeah, that. Yeah, you can't say stuff like that. So the person wouldn't come out and say what it is that they knew about her, but they'd be like, well, if you knew better, what I know about her. Yeah, and then everyone's like, oh gosh, well, they obviously yeah. have insider information, yes. so mean, we should go with that. So them. it was deemed jury misconduct. Uh-huh. Her conviction was overturned, and in, um, in 1997, she took a plea deal. She pled guilty to manslaughter and got off with time served. Wow. So she'd served um, just under four years at that point. Did, okay, it's probably impossible to know this, but did that other
2: juror actually know her in any way? I
1: don't know. Okay. I don't know. I wondered that too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
2: Probably not. Probably not, right? Yeah. I mean, if her attorneys
1: had known of any kind of connection, Connection. she wouldn't have made the jury. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so she got off with time served and got out. um, She was released in 1997 after serving just under four years. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Things were not going well for the Nestlers, though. Um, Will had grown up and he'd been carrying around this stigma of having this horrible thing that happened to him, in his entire life, he'd spent a lot of time in and out of jail for different, you know, misdemeanors, and he'd been convicted of some felonies. Ellie kind of wound up right back into drugs when she got out of prison. She actually her outlived her prognosis because um, by October of two thousand one, she was still alive and. Mm-hmm. In fairly good health by that point, but she was heavily into methamphetamines at the time, and she ended up giving meth to like a oh God. an informant of some kind. Oh, and then a few days later, she bought she bought like ten thousand tablets. Of uh, what I would guess is pseudoephedrine, what's a, a drug that's used to make meth? Right. From that same informant, and then she was arrested and sent to jail for possession, um, and intent to intent to sell, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she was in 2002. She pled guilty to those charges and was sentenced to six years in prison. Wow. Don't you think that's crazy? Yes.
2: Yes. The drug. The drug, drug in charge, this country in contrast
1: to the murder. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? In 2004, by this time, Will is 23, Um, Ellie's in prison for the drug charges, Will gets into some kind of altercation with this guy who lives on the same property that Will does. Like, there's, I think, multiple houses on this property. Maybe this guy owns it, and Will lives in, like, a smaller house on the same property. This guy's name's David Davis, um, which is not a very nice name. No. Um, But they get into some kind of scuffle, and the man believes that Will has stolen some of his tools. And Will beats the shit out of him. Oh, God. um, In front of three deputies, because, like, the guy had called the police... Because he was like, "This guy's still Like the confrontation had started. You're stealing my tools. No, I'm right. not. The guy's like, "Fine, I'm just going to call the police." The police. Sometime in the middle of this scuffle, the police show up, and Will is beating the shit out of this guy in front of three police officers. Well, there you go. So they arrest him, and he pleads guilty to battery and receives um, like a sixty-day jail stint. Serves like a little around thirty days. Uh huh. One hour after he is released what he goes to David Davis's house no kills him and kills him this this is nuts he stomped his head in. (gasps) David Davis lost consciousness and died the next day
2: oh god
1: yeah Will was charged with first degree murder and is now serving 28 years to life on those charges so the whole family was interviewed on Oprah That's where a bunch of this information comes from. Yeah, it was when Ellie was in prison. It was before Will's charges. They actually did a follow-up after Will was charged, too. So there's kind of different parts of it. I watched multiple segments. But he said that losing his family had a bigger impact on him than the molestation did. And it wasn't until he was older that he realized that that was the thing that was really impacting him. Because his... At the time that his mother was sent to prison, he and his sister were separated. One was sent to live with an aunt and one was sent to live with a grandparent. Yeah. And so they grew up apart. They grew up apart from their mom. And it was just had a huge impact on his life. Yeah. That makes, that makes complete
2: sense to me. Yeah. I think in those situations, that's why you don't murder the molester. Yeah. Is so that you can be there be for Be there your with kid. your kid. Yep. So,
1: by in June, case anyone is thinking considering about murdering it. their <laughs> molester their child's molester, yeah. I mean, I I think I can respect the um, the urge to do that, oh, to yeah. make that person pay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I'm not going to shed a tear over the child molester. I'm man. not either. No. Um, although I guess he's an alleged molester, he was never convicted because he was murdered before he could be. But mm. you don't run, you don't go on the run for 3 years <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. Um, so by June of 2006, when Ellie was released from prison on the drug charges, Willie was already in for his first degree murder conviction. Yeah. So they just like they, they just it affected their whole lives. All of these events, like they just had this huge, just like ripple effect on their family for their whole lives.
2: And I wonder what they were really like before all yeah, this. I mean, Absolutely.
1: God, that story is absolutely nuts. I've never heard that story yeah. before. Um, so in December of 2008, Ellie died of breast cancer at mm-hmm. 56 years old. Will asked for like a temporary pass to attend her funeral and it was denied. Yeah. For Oprah? Dan Abrams actually did a segment on the Nestler family. So I don't know if you know who Dan Abrams no, is. He's I don't. actually now the host of Life PD. But oh. he was like a reporter for some couple of different news networks over the years. And so he did a segment where he took Rebecca to prison to visit Will he, they hadn't seen each other in two years, but they wrote a ton of. Le- they constantly wrote letters back and forth to each other because essentially they're the only family yeah. that they have anymore. Yeah. I don't know what ended up happening with their dad over the years. Yeah, but, I'm curious about that um, too. But he said when they saw each other, it was, it was as if they they'd never been apart. They mm-hmm. picked up a conversation like it, they had just seen each other yesterday. He so said the yeah. connection was just like undeniable. So. Will is, is in prison, and he will become eligible for parole in 2031. Yikes. That's the story of Ellie Nestler, one mother who took justice into her own hands.
0: Bleh. Yeah.
2: Oh, God. Norman, I'm hoping you've got some questions that'll lighten things up a bit.
0: I do have questions.
2: Oh, good. Okay, So first, let's let's talk a little bit. Every week, Norman asks the folks in our Discord if they want to ask us some questions. And if you're wondering, my God. How do
1: you get in the Discord? Is this like a 90s chat room? I want to go to there. It is like a 90s chat room. It's amazing. And uh, you can join as well. All you have to do is become a patron. That's all you got to do. Go to patron. patreon. patreon. <laughs> That's uh, patreon.com slash LGTC podcast. And to get into the Discord, you have to sign up at the $5 or $7 level. $5 level gets you bonus
2: episodes plus access to the Discord. $7 level gets you a shout out on this podcast
1: plus a sticker. Plus all those other benefits. I mean, it's just—it's too good to be true. Except it's not. It is true.
3: (laughs) You'd be a fool not to sign up.
1: That's exactly right. Do you want to be a fool? (laughs) I pity the fool. (laughs) I was waiting. I was like, there's no way she's not going to do a Mister T impression.
2: Pity the fool. He doesn't sign up for the Patreon. You'd
3: be a huge point of sale if you did not.
2: Norman's harshest <laughs> insult. That's
3: POS. Right. POS. POS. I got some questions for you ladies.
2: Do it. Excellent. Joseph, Ask
3: his sorry. question is simply hashtag Ray lgtc2019 question mark. Oh we asked.
2: Okay. So my dad loves coming on the podcast. He's convinced he's a celebrity now. Yes. People have asked if my mom would come on. My mom is not interested. Not in the least bit. I mean, she, that's just not, not her thing. Not no. her. She's not going to get on any stage. She will help you set up the stage. Oh, my she gosh. And she'll have that day.
1: stage so clean for
2: she'll you. She'll have
3: snacks and drinks Oh my yep. on stage. More
1: drinks than anyone could ever consume. Uh-huh. Um, but, no, she's not getting on the stage, folks. Never. No. If we need a nice refreshments table set up backstage, she will man that. Mm-hmm. And she will man the hell out of it. Yes. <laughs>
3: Jen wants to know which case would you never cover?
1: Ooh. Ooh,
2: I've got one in mind, but I I might cover it. Is the thing okay? I so I'm tempted to say OJ. Yeah, because it's huge. Yeah, it's been done a million yeah. times. But at the same time, I do love that trial. Yeah, I find it so
1: intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Ugh. I think that might be my answer too. There's another one that comes to mind. Um, is the George Zimmerman case? Just because I, it's oh. too infuriating, I don't think I could handle it. Yeah, that's that's one I had our patrons vote. I on. I know, and I was so
2: glad it didn't win. I would have walked out. Yeah, it was either Timothy <laughs> McVeigh or George Zimmerman. Yeah, um, I was I was prepared to cover either one, but Ugh. they were like, uh, "No, Timothy McVeigh." They were like, "We can't handle can't George. handle <laughs> it." Yeah,
3: yeah. I'd love to see. You two cover the Nuremberg Trials. Oh, my oh. gosh. Oh. What? No more. <laughs> be interesting. I like World War II history.
1: I know you do, but that yeah. is just... Oh. Oh,
3: international, it's too dark. international too International lots. Interesting stuff. Oh. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Figly gigs. <laughs> think it's That's fig-
1: Kim. Figly gigs. That's my friend Kim.
3: Kim wants to know, if you could learn the truth behind an unsolved case...
1: Ooh.
2: But
3: once you do, you can't tell anyone. Okay. Which case do you pick?
1: Okay. Okay. I know so what I was you're tem- thinking. I was tempted to answer Jean Bennet right? But I already know the truth. So. <laughs> well, you think you know? I, nope. I know the truth. So I will instead change my answer to the Black Dahlia. Oh yeah. yeah oh. A, a,
3: a historical case yeah. would probably be a good, yeah. good choice because it would kill you if if like. Everyone yeah, was still around. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody
1: involved in that would still be alive or anything,
2: so Yeah. Okay, give me the rule one more time. We can't do anything about it? You
3: know the truth, but you cannot tell anybody.
2: Oh. Okay, now that's interesting. So in in theory with this question, we could have figured out who the Golden State rapist was mm. and then gone and killed him. Ooh. But then would you just be convicted of murder? Are
3: you advocating for murder on the LGTC podcast?
2: No, I'm not. But I'm just saying, like that's something you could do. You just can't tell anybody. What I mean, if you could find out if OJ really did it? He did it. Uh, I mean, waste. That's, that's a waste. waste.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: a
2: waste. <laughs> what a waste!
3: I think he wrote a book about. If, him, I, did if I did the
2: it, with the if mark. is tiny on
3: the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I, there is if in the title.
2: Yeah, the Goldman's were the ones who um, required redesigned yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. cover. Yeah, I. Mm, there are so many. I'm so nosy. I love this question. I think. Mm, hang on, let me think real quick. Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Oh, oh no,
1: one cares about your art, then? That is not true. There was a whole
2: podcast about it. People loved it. I was not the only one listening to that. That is a Those fascinating story. People are just story. stuck with a bunch of art they can't offload, and I want to know where. Uh, yeah. What if? Oh, wait. Okay. Okay. In accordance with the rules of this question, I could find out who stole the paintings and maybe find out where they are maybe I don't know how much Mm -hmm. information I get and then steal them
3: you love a good art heist yeah
1: and
2: then I could go take the paintings yeah because what are they going to do call the police exactly (laughs) and then you come over and in my living room there's a Rembrandt it's the Rembrandt seascape and then you can decide whether it's stupid okay I'd be like what would you do get that at an estate sale (laughs) yeah and I'd be like sure Brandy you don't know
3: Uh hey cool story Kristen
2: Shut up. It is cool. All
3: right. I'm going to sandwich in a somewhat serious question. Ooh.
2: Sandwiching Mm. in.
3: Uh, This is from Nino. Hey, Nino. Hey. Hey. (laughs) I've heard Kristen mention that she doesn't support capital punishment. I'm not sure of Brandy's opinion. Can we hear the explanation from both on their reasoning? I also don't support it, but I'm curious to hear their thoughts. I know it can be a touchy subject. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Let's touch ourselves as As we talk talk about about this touchy subject. Um, So
1: I am undecided. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I okay. So my thoughts are: what the hell happens if you execute someone that you aren't that was innocent? Like that's the worst thing that could happen. So that's why I'm undecided on it. I guess if there was enough DNA evidence and you could prove that this person had, I don't know, killed eight million babies plus puppies, like then maybe I'd be pro death penalty for that specific person, but in general I cannot say that I'm pro-death penalty.
2: Yeah. So my reasoning is, first of all, I don't think it makes sense. I Mm. don't think that killing people is a way to teach people not to kill. kill. Yeah. But really my bigger issue with it is that when you look at who we kill, Mm -hmm. it's more often than not, poor black men. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not justice to me. Yeah. It's funny. If we came up with a system where it was like, okay, you were, you know, there was DNA, you know, the whole deal, you killed 15 people, blah, yeah. blah, blah. You had the best defense attorney, and even yeah. still, we know for sure you did this, yeah. and then you got the death penalty. I don't think I would have as much of an issue with right. it. I still think it wouldn't make sense, but like, I have a real issue with the fact that. It just seems like in this country, if you don't have the money for a good well, defense, yeah, plays, then you're screwed. Yeah, that plays so Your much into it. Your race plays into it. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: Let me throw out a scenario. Yeah. Okay. A guy, somebody murders somebody.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay.
3: They go to the police. They're like, yep, I did it. There's evidence they did it. So they're not, they're not like lying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You 100% killed this person. He is given the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Unfair.
2: I mean, I I don't believe in the death penalty, so... I don't know, yeah.
3: But I'm but saying based on your reasoning for why you don't believe, it, does, it doesn't seem like that would qualify, I guess.
1: Hmm. I guess. I guess if they were like, hey, I 100% did it, and I'm requesting the death penalty.
3: They're not requesting it. They're just saying, yep, I killed this guy.
1: Well, a lot of people admit to it.
2: Yeah. That doesn't mean that I think they should be put to death. I just don't think that in, in a just society, that's the way we need to handle these things. Okay. But, see, I think that's maybe where I'm getting muddled with my message, is that, first of all, my big thing is, in a just society, I don't think there's any place for it. I don't think we need to kill people. I think prison for life is fine. Okay. But... And more actually of, less expensive than the death penalty. And yeah, much less expensive <laughs> which is, than the which death penalty. Which is very penalty. interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the appeals I process. Think, I think the all all
3: assumption it. is that it would be way cheaper it's to kill not, somebody, but it's mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. not. It's expensive. much more Probably
2: expensive. Probably in the 30s it
1: was, when like a month after but, your trial, yeah. they killed
2: you. Yeah, well, yeah
3: they'd,
1: But with the appeals process and everything, no, it's much more expensive to keep someone on death row. Yeah, so I think overall,
2: I'm not sure. Or
3: much more expensive the, to... Oh, sorry, you said death row, never mind. Yeah.
1: Overall,
2: I think it's it's bad, but I think it's super bad when you factor in the fact that when you look at who's on death row, it's not like a diverse array of people. No, From exactly. all different socioeconomic yeah. backgrounds. No. Yeah.
3: So, Brandy, your reasoning is um, you would hate to see somebody innocent be put to death. Absolutely. So, it's not worth the risk. Yeah. And, Kristen, your reasoning is that a just society should not kill people. Yeah. Okay. Good question from Nino.
2: Yeah, sorry, yeah, that was a really sorry good question. the
3: Debbie Downer question. No,
2: it a, that's that's a good question. That's a good question.
3: Yeah, uh, Mike has an interesting question. Okay, well, I am gonna you know sandwiching. I sandwiched in the serious one. We're back to some goofy ones.
2: No oh, good. You Are have there to, sardines in this sandwich? You, <laughs> if
3: you had to choose between getting one hundred dollars a day deposited into your bank account, okay. mm-hmm.
2: I like or
3: it. being able to poop an unlimited number of dimes. Oh. Which do you choose? I'm taking the hundred bucks a well, day. Yeah, yeah, that, well, that's this, way yeah. I don't know about this question. Who would <laughs>
1: know?
3: I mean because essentially
1: you could poop out way more than that. But then yeah, you are like nothing poop but out, pooping? You're shitting dimes.
2: Yeah. yeah, you could poop out a thousand dollars a day. Yeah. But that sounds how long painful. are you gonna be on
3: the toilet? Hey, it the could the toilet be forever. Very you
2: gotta sift it out, no, well, thank and you. And then you gotta clean it all up and then yeah, that I, poor yeah, baker. I'm going hundred dollars. I'm chilling. They're going to hate you at Coinstar, <laughs> gumming up their machines. Right. And then you have
3: all these dimes. <laughs> what do you do with them? I'm chilling at home. I'm just, just yeah, knowing I'm I get $100 a day. Just $100, bucks
1: $100 a day.
2: Yeah. I'm taking
3: that. That's way easier. You know what? I, I shouldn't have read that question, Mike. Come on, Mike. Come on, Mike on, Mike together. Shitting
2: dimes. Uh, Fiery
3: One had a good response to that. He goes, I'll take the $100. bucks. i would rather not shit dimes.
1: Yes.
3: <laughs> I think that sums that it up. That
1: sums it up, Fiery One. Thank you. <laughs>
3: Ooh, uh, K- Kiki has a question for Brandy. Ooh. Who is Brandy's favorite KU basketball player of all time? I <gasps> Tyrell think I, Reed. I think I was going to say, I think I know this <laughs> answer.
1: Tyrell Reed is my favorite bas- KU basketball player of all time. He's not the most memorable player, um, but he played with so much heart. I loved him. He put in so much effort every time he was out there. He wrote this really great book, um, and I had him sign it once. He came into one of my salons for a haircut, and I got to meet him, and I had him sign my book. Wait, you just had the book on you? Well, so he had been in once before, and the girls (gasps) told me about it, and so I brought my book to the salon, and I was like, if he comes back in, just have him sign it. And I happened to be there when he came back in. You know, he's also my favorite K. You've never even heard of him. He
2: was the really tall one who just, like, (laughs) took it to the basket. Took it to the basket.
3: Slam dunk the funk. Slam dunk
1: the funk. I have lots of other ones that I enjoy as well, but he is my favorite of all time.
3: Alyssa. Says Kristen, you talk a lot about having lived in different places. How many places have you lived, and what brought you back to Kansas City? Oh, Jesus.
2: I've lived a lot of places. And
3: Brandy, what do you love best about Kansas, and what, if anything, would make you want to move? We'll start with Kristen.
1: Yeah, Kristen, you go first.
3: Okay. What wait, made wait, you come should back?
1: Should I go first so you can calculate how many places place?
2: <laughs> Well, I was just going to name them, okay. and I was going to make one of you guys count. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll count. Okay, so a lot of these moves I don't remember because I was a yeah. child. So born in Missouri. One. Lived in Kansas. Two. Lived I'm in Florida.
3: <laughs> now, you, were, you were born in Independence, Missouri.
2: Well, are we going (coughs) to write a whole big, boring book about this? Let's go. Independence, Missouri. Okay, Missouri, lived in Kansas, lived in Florida, lived in Tennessee, um, lived in Chihuahua, Mexico for three years as a kid. I do remember that one. I loved it. Lived in Boston for college, lived in North Carolina. That's where I met Sweet Normie Norm. I think I named them all, right? Seven. Seven. Seven places. I'm forgetting something.
1: Well, because you moved like back to Kansas in there, and oh, then back right, to right, right, Missouri okay. in there, right.
2: so, so yeah, so I'm just naming the states. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Doubles. so what what brought us back to Kansas City? That was the other question. Yes, mm-hmm. law school.
4: Yeah.
2: So I was working. My first job out of college was as a reporter in North Carolina. That's how I met Norman, and then I decided that I wanted to make some serious buckage, <laughs> so I got into law school. Did one semester of that. Hated it. <laughs> Hated it. <laughs> but it brought brought us back to Kansas City. Well,
1: brought Norman to Kansas City for the first time. And I'm happy we're here. Brandy? My favorite thing, obviously, about being here is like this is where all my family is. So yeah. um, I... I've um, never lived out, in um, friends. Yeah. I've never, practically family, Kristen. Thank you, yes. It's true. <laughs> it is true.
3: Well, you guys we, are long-term friends. I know, so. we just
1: we, had a, you guys just had a family dinner, and it was and literally, there. yeah, it was <laughs> your family and me, so, yeah. yes. So, no, it's like all of, my life is here. And yeah. so, I don't know anything else. I don't, I love it here. I I don't know what it would take to get me to move away, honestly. It's not even, not even on my radar,
3: Final question from B Barcinus. Oh, B
1: Barcinus. I think she got one
2: last Barsinas. week. Yeah, she's good.
3: This is an easy one. This is a good oh. one. What is your favorite vine?
1: Oh, my oh. favorite vine—the uh, kid with the I don't know what is it? Spoons over his eyes, and he's like, "Hey there, I'm just blocking out the hater." <laughs>
3: <laughs> good choice, Kristen. <laughs>
1: Is that what you do when you read our YouTube comments?
2: <laughs> um, I don't. Kylo's gonna kill me. I don't have a favorite vine. I can't think of anything off the top of my head.
3: Wow.
2: What What do you think my favorite vine. vine is? Because you you would know.
3: Uh, it's probably <laughs>
2: the McDonald's one.
1: What? <laughs> do you know the one I talked
2: about? Or
3: the McFlurry yeah. with the spoon?
1: <laughs> oh my god! I know that.
3: Yeah, your favorite one is when they're driving in the car. <laughs> <laughs> your favorite one is when Yeah, it is. It, is it Dairy is either Dairy Queen or McDonald's, but one of them's in the passenger seat with a McFlurry <laughs> and they're like eating, they have the spoon in their mouth and someone like slams on the brakes and this and the person with the spoon is
2: <laughs> like
3: <olive> all <laughs> chokes on it. <coughs>
2: It makes me laugh so You've got to pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about it.
3: There it is. <laughs> the noise.
4: Let me see it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I've never seen that one. Oh my goodness. I
3: think my favorite is... Still, the little girl, look at all these chickens. Oh, look like, at all
1: these chickens. Look at all oh, these like... chickens. I do like the little girl that's like, it's freaking bats. <laughs> what? I don't know that she, one. She like, loves Halloween.
3: <laughs> Y'all, I have come today with a story.
1: Ooh, oh. Hold on, wait. I'm going to okay. show Kristen the story. I want to see it's freaking bats. <laughs> Freaking, <laughs> like a bat. freaking bats! Okay, tell us your story, Norm.
3: This story comes from friend of the show, Gerard Khalil, aka the Completionist. Oh
1: yeah, Ooh, yeah!
2: Hey, Gerard! Uh, Shout he, out to the Completionist.
3: He, uh, you're
2: welcome for the bump, Gerard. <laughs>
3: <laughs> He's gonna check his social board yeah. after this. He's like, woo, we got a Ooh, bump. Wow. I don't know where it's from. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he told me this story the other day, and. Uh, it was a fascinating story. Okay. 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 So, 16-year-old Gerard which wow, is we're probably really going back in time. probably 2000 I'm trying to think of how old Gerard is. He's about my age. So, probably 2003. Okay. Okay. He really wants an Xbox. Microsoft has the Xbox hot console.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He really wants one. Gerard's birthday is right after Christmas, mm-hmm. okay?
1: Mm, that's rough, it is.
3: So every year, his dad asks him uh, what he wants for his birthday and for Christmas. And he goes, well, I want an Xbox. So for Christmas and his birthday, when he was 16, his dad bought him <laughs> four pairs of Court Classics from Costco.
2: What? No, <laughs> what? Yes. As a... What?
3: His dad bought him four pairs of white 12 and a half <gasps> size Costco Kirkland brand shoes.
2: Why? Why, Why would he do that? He,
3: Gerard's dad loves Costco. <laughs> he buys everything <laughs> from <does> Costco. <laughs> so he wanted an Xbox. He gets four pairs uh-huh. of...
1: Court Classics.
2: Court Classics. Right.
3: So the next year, 17. It's actually... He Did was,
2: Gerard wear those shoes? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Did he want to donate them to my dad? He
3: he donated them to Goodwill. Okay.
1: Excellent.
3: Okay. Okay, so actually this was, that was 2004. Okay. okay. In 2005, young Gerard is now 17. <laughs> the Xbox 360 is the hot new uh-huh. item <laughs> this Gerard. year. Poor Gerard. Okay. So, and uh, Gerard's brother knew somebody that worked at microsoft because the 360 was very popular when it first came out yeah okay so char was like i want an xbox 360 for christmas okay so he told his dad i want an xbox 360 his dad said no problem gonna get you that 360 (laughs) for his birthday and for christmas his dad bought him no four pairs no. of Court Classics. No. Why? His dad loves Costco.
2: What? No. No, we all love Costco. That doesn't
1: mean <laughs> Me, you have that, that to doesn't make any sense. Court. I love Costco. Never bought a single pair of Court Classics.
3: It's now 2006. What? Gerard is 18, turning 18, Christmas, around the same time. The Xbox 360's been out for over a year now. So it's more readily available. Uh-huh. His dad goes, "Hey, what do you want for your birthday and for Christmas?" Jar goes, "I'm not telling you because you're not going to get what I ask for." So just like whatever.
4: Yeah. Mhm.
3: But he said, "I'm going to get you that Xbox 360." Mhm. Christmas and birthday. Rolls he down.
1: gets four pairs of court classics.
3: On Christmas, he gets two pairs of court classics. <laughs>
2: This dad should be locked up. What? For
3: his birthday, he gets an Xbox 360.
2: What? Why? What?
3: But he opens the Xbox 360, and no. there's two pairs of inside, court inside. Are two no. pairs of court balls?
2: No. no, no, absolutely not. It's true, Gerard. How did
1: you survive this? What the hell? His dad was just trolling him.
3: Yeah, so the deal is <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck So his dad his dad had an Xbox three sixty that one of the customers gave him for like some promotion uh-huh, or something. Uh-huh. Cause you know, he he run he like works with a lot of gas stations. Yeah. yeah. He got an Xbox three sixty somehow. Okay. huh. And uh, he he was using it at one of the gas stations, so he kept the box. Oh, and put two pairs of court that's classics like in the box.
1: Poor Gerard. <laughs> Did he <laughs> ever get the Xbox? Yes, he has, how, he has one. At that the all end of these stairs of court
3: classics, he has one now. Oh Gerard has an Xbox. 360. you know what?
2: That's why Gerard <laughs> is who he is now. His whole life is video games because he was
1: traumatized by all those <laughs> no of court kidding. Classics. He's like, I'm finally gonna get what I want and inside the box. It's more court classics. Gerard, is this story real. Did you make this up? I need to know. I feel like this could be a court Girard, case. Girard, I do, too. Gerard
3: would not make this up. And it definitely sounds like something his dad would do.
1: I feel so bad for him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and that is the story.
1: Oh, oh man.
2: That Girard. was nuts.
3: He had to share it simply because of DP and DP his love and of his, court classics. So yeah. I think... Gerard has owned more pairs of Court Classics than your father. Probably,
1: because he's oh, wearing yeah. the same pair for the last yeah, so
2: 15 years. For our new listeners, my, my dear father, <laughs> cheap as can be, he wears exclusively the whitest Costco yeah. Court Classics you've seen in your life. And yet, he, he is not going and replacing those things every day, because they're 15 whole dollars. 15 whole dollars. He's got to yeah make
1: those last couple years.
2: He must polish
1: those things. I mean, how do they stay so white? I don't know.
3: Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard the Mild soap and water.
1: Oh, God. man. I'm really feeling for Gerard after that. I know, (laughs) I (laughs) know.
3: It was a good story.
1: Yeah, it was a good story. Thanks for
2: sharing. Shout out
3: Gerard Khalil. Thank you for sharing your story. Yes, thank
2: you for sharing your story. (laughs) Have you ever been trolled in a gift-giving situation? I
3: don't think so.
2: I don't think I have either.
1: No.
3: Have I been trolled?
1: Yeah,
2: like yeah.
3: That. Ooh, um, yes.
2: You uh-huh. have what? What happened? Yes. What happened?
3: Ooh, maybe I should save it for the next podcast. Well,
2: no, tell it okay. Right now.
3: Okay, you know this story. Do I? When I was a child, we went to Florida. Oh, for Christmas. Okay, we would go see my great grandma. Uh huh. In Sarasota, beautiful place, by the way. Shout out to Sarasota, Florida. <laughs> Love Sarasota. <laughs>
1: Gosh, move along!
3: <laughs> Sarasota has great food. Is
1: Sarasota sponsoring this yeah. episode?
3: Great beaches, oh great shopping, gosh. great weather all the time. Um, so you know, we'd stay at these little you know hotels, and we'd go visit my great grandma for Christmas hotel. holiday. Holiday Inn. Inn.
4: Oh, you
2: got that? <laughs> and
3: one year, because it was Christmas Eve, and you know we didn't have a tree or stockings because we were yeah. staying in a hotel. Yeah. So I put like one of my socks up because I I was hoping Santa would come by and fill the stocking. Uh-huh. Right. I woke up there was $100. Oh my gosh. In my in my dirty in your dirty sock. gym sock. <laughs> great. And, I was thrilled. Yeah. Well, yeah. We Obviously. went to the mall. Yeah. Had a great time.
2: Did Randy or Ryan get any money? Yes. They okay. also okay. got $100. Okay. all right. Wow.
3: Um a year goes by. We're back in Florida for Great grandma visit Christmas uh-huh. celebration. I once again put out a sock. So I'm like, yeah. last year I got a hundred bucks from Sam. Yeah, what will I get this year?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Put out the sock, go to bed, wake up. <laughs> I have a sock filled with sand.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I Were you was bad so year? upset. Were you bad?
3: I don't think so. <laughs>
1: Weren't you always bad? You Weren't you like the little bad kid? I was
3: bad in a cool way, Brandon. Oh, okay. I like, was bad. bad.
1: Sonic bad the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: I had Sonic the Hedgehog stationary sets. Oh my Trapper goodness. Trapper
1: keepers. That's hilarious.
3: Because so <laughs> I was sad. trolled pretty hard with that. Yeah, that is. Yeah.
2: Now is the time that we do Supreme Court inductions. What? That's right. Wah, 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 wah. Wah.
3: <laughs> I'm confused. What do you mean Supreme Court inductions?
2: Well, you see... Brett Kavanaugh has been removed okay. from the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, I'm sorry. This is just my fantasy.
1: <coughs> That's what
2: you fantasize about. Um, yes, that would sweet be sweet great.
1: Fantasy, baby. Hey, it opens my I, eyes. You and take, take me. me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm adding that to the playlist.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> sweet fantasy. I have the Great Pretender on here. Oh, nice.
2: Don't, don't make me, I will sing all these again if you remind me what's on I this playlist.
1: We can't be helped.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Brett, get Brett Kavanaugh is still on the Supreme mm, Court, folks. Okay. Mm.
1: Um, but if you'd like to be on our Supreme, Supreme Court, Court, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash LGTC podcast and sign up at the Supreme Court level. And you will get an induction on this very podcast, a thank you card with an awesome LGTC sticker inside, plus access to the Discord, case updates, bonus episodes, the list goes on. I mean That's really it. Well, you can vote on topics.
2: No, <laughs> oh, yeah, the was just go on. That's
1: right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For today's inductions, we will be reading the inductees' names and their least favorite word. For um, today's inductions, I would like everybody to please stand. And turn 180 degrees. Kelly Lynn. Flesh. <laughs> Why did you say it like that? You know what I think of every time I hear the word flesh? No. That, do you remember in My Girl, when she joined that poetry group, and that one guy wrote that, or maybe it was a girl, I think it was a girl who wrote that inappropriate poem called Flesh, all a mesh. Ew. Flesh, all a mesh. Ew, no, stop, stop.
3: <laughs> Gross.
1: Chris Kleiber Phlegm Ugh, I'm right there with you, Chris Ma'am. <laughs> I thought we were gonna do it together <laughs> oh, okay, okay man. man, Budget Oh man, oh. how often do you think she hears that word? Oh my gosh
2: Growing budget. up, it was
1: all I ever heard The budget, the budget
3: Oh, the DP budget Yeah, yeah.
2: Julia McLaren
1: Overdraft Jen Meaden Oh, her least favorite word is her full first name. Jennifer. Oh, ooh. Brittany Newsai. Trump.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of him. I just okay. don't get it. He can't grab all our pussies.
1: <laughs> Ann Smith. Hun. Oh.
2: Oh,
0: I do. Because
1: hey, you can't say it without sounding condescending. Hey, hun. Hun, can you move over? <laughs> Welcome to, to the Supreme. Oh, that was so fun. That was so fun. Absolutely. Hey, guys, thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it more than we can ever say. Um, If you're looking for other ways to support us, please subscribe to the podcast. Find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Reddit. Find us all those places. And then?
3: Do you have listener homework this week? Oh, do
1: you want to give some? Drop in some listener homework real quick.
3: Listen. People have been slacking on this homework, okay? We have not received any Twizzlers. <laughs> You're mailbox. right, and
1: we, I have not gotten an anal leakage count.
3: <laughs> yeah. No one's done an anal leakage, but the episode did just come out, so. It's
2: true.
3: Yeah. Wait a minute. Nibs?
1: Oh, yeah. What about nibs? Nibs. Find, try to find, find
2: nibs in
3: your nibs. grocery store. Yes. Listen to homework. Find Twizzler's nibs in your local grocery store.
1: Yes. Can you do A, it? Can you do it? I don't think so. I tried to can do it today.
3: Please oh. uh, tweet us at let's go number two court.
1: <laughs> that sounds terrible. Don't say let's go, <laughs> let's go number, number two. <laughs>
3: <laughs> at let's go The two number two Court. court. Uh, Tweet us with a picture of you with proof that you found Twizzlers. Going number two.
1: Yeah. No, (laughs) gosh. Um, And once you've done all that, be sure to join us next week when we'll
2: be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate
1: it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you
2: to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from Smithsonian Magazine, the New York Daily News, and a ton of old timey articles that I found through newspapers.com.
1: And I got my info from CBS News, the New York Times. Times, oprah the denver post the sf gate and the associated press for a full list of our sources visit lgtcpodcast.com any errors are of course ours but please don't take our word for it go read their stuff